0: Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at oursaviorschurch.com. Welcome to our new uh, Christmas series called The Gift. I think that once you become a born-again child of God, probably the primary goal of every person that's here, if they asked you, why are you in church today? A lot would be, I feel like I need to come to, be worship-, to worship. I need to come to be encouraged. I need to come to-, to fellowship with other people, to find other people in the like-minded world that we're in. How many of you know the world is crazy, and there are still people that love God and are sane and want to see heaven come to earth? You don't hear about them on Fox, CNN, ABC, NBC, and all the other CCCs that you see. But that is very true. But most of you would say this, I just want to grow in my spiritual journey. A lot of times we say it like this, I want to grow in my faith. How many of you want to grow in your faith? Because from the time that you are born again, where Christ comes to live inside of you, a spiritual resurrection happens, and you become spiritually raised from the dead. From that point on, listen to me, heaven is your home, but how much faith you walk in determines how much of heaven you have on earth. You, you can have peace in heaven, but how many of you know you can also have peace on earth? That, that isn't just the Christmas season song, okay? Jesus is called the prince of So when the Prince of Peace comes to live inside you, you should be identified by having peace. But faith, okay, is the way that we access everything that grace has given us because of the cross. Let me say that again. Faith is your ATM, your credit card. Your resources are all in your bank account. And it doesn't matter how much you have in the bank, if you can't access it, does it? So, I-, I want to encourage you today to recognize that in this next series, we're going to help you grow in your faith. Why? Because Hebrews eleven six says this, without faith, it is, it's what? Impossible, impossible to please God. How many of you want to please God? It's impossible without faith. You say, Pastor, why? Because first of all, it takes faith to believe that everything I can see was created by God that I, that I can't see. That I can't see. Now, a lot of times people go, well, you, you just have faith. I mean, don't you just believe it came another way? No. Pastor, don't you believe it just came from evolution? No. You know what I call evolution from goo to you by way of the zoo. You've heard my poem about evolution that I taught my son Wesley, who's now with the Lord. First, it was amoeba beginning to begin, and then it was a tadpole with his tail tucked in. Then it was a monkey swinging through a tree. Now he's my professor with a PhD. (laughs) I believe that it takes more faith to believe that everything came from nothing than it does to believe that all of creation came from a creator. I I don't believe that a car came from an explosion at a rubber and an iron factory that happened to assemble a Mercedes, which is a pastor I can't drive. I I don't believe that. It would actually take more faith to believe, it, it would take less faith to believe that than to believe that everything you and I see came from somewhere which is nowhere. So here's the truth. Everybody's got faith. You either have faith in a God that you cannot see, or you have faith in nothing that you cannot see. I know, I know. But pastor, I got a cousin from Bro Bridge, and let me tell you what he said. Okay, if you believe in a cousin from Bro Bridge and anything that he tells you besides that crawfish are good, you already have issues. Forget science, school, and PhD. Today's message is entitled The Miracle Birth Before the Miracle Birth. Within every miracle is at least one more miracle. As a matter of fact, how many of you had someone that always prayed for you that you would become spiritually alive and grow in your faith? Raise your hand. How many of you, they prayed for it a long time till it happened? So the moment that it happened, they were so excited, they go, It's been a miracle. And God changed your life. Your life became the miracle. But then you didn't know that outside of that, your life begins to affect the life of other people. And one miracle then leads to another miracle. Today's story about the birth of Christ and the miracle birth before the miracle birth is just one of those stories. Before Christ was born in a cold, lonely manger, another miracle happened just six months before. Elizabeth, Mary, the mother of Jesus' aunt, had given birth to what Jesus would say was the greatest child born among women, his cousin, John the, John the Baptist. But as I've already told you, within every miracle is another miracle. Now let's look at our story about the miracle birth before the miracle birth to see what we can learn. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. During the reign of King Herod the Great over Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. How many of you know somebody named Zach? This is where it comes from. This or the prophet Zechariah in the Old Testament. Okay, Zechariah, who served in, in the temple as part of the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was named Elizabeth, who was also from a family of priests, being a direct descendant of Aaron, who was Moses' brother, the first priest. And they were both lovers of God, living virtuously and following the commandments of the Lord fully. But they were childless since Elizabeth was barren. And now they both were quite old. One day, while Zachariah's priestly order was on duty, he was serving as a priest, and it happened by the casting of lots, according to the custom of the priesthood, that the honor fell upon Zachariah to enter into the holy place to burn incense to the Lord. Now, let me explain all of this to you. During the time of this story, there were 20,000 priests. There were so many priests, and their responsibility was to teach people the law of God, It was to burn sacrifices and offer offerings. Now, when you went to the temple, okay, there were three places. The first place was the outer court. And that's where everyone who was Hebrew or Jewish, as we would say today, but Hebrew, would come. The second place was a place called the Holy Place. And that was a place that was the next level closer. And then there was the third place called the Holy of Holies. And a high priest went in there one time a year. But, For these priests, there were so many priests that when they served, they served two weeks out of the year. They served two weeks out of the year. And they would go, and one of the jobs was to go into the holy place and to burn incense on the altar, and then come out afterwards and bless the people. And you'll hear about that in just a moment. Zachariah was a priest and his two weeks came of the year for him to serve and they began to cast lots, that's draw straws. And whoever got the shortest or the longest one, whichever one it was, they got a chance to go into the holy place and burn incense on the altar before God and pray for one hour and then they would come out and bless the people. That's what you're about to see happen Right now, and that's the encounter that we're going to see as Zechariah goes in to burn incense in the holy place. It usually happened once in your lifetime if you were a priest. A large crowd of worshipers gathered to pray outside the temple at the hour of incense while it was being offered. And all at once, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Standing just on the right side of the altar of incense, Zechariah was startled and overwhelmed with fear. But the angel reassured him, saying, what? Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God is showing grace to you, for I have come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you will name him John. And his birth will bring much joy and gladness, and many will rejoice because of him. And he will be one of the great ones in the sight of God. And he will drink no or strong, meaning he couldn't have been Cajun. But he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even still while in his mother's womb. And he will persuade many in Israel to convert and turn back to the Lord, their God. And he will go before the Lord as a forerunner, the same power of the anointing of Elijah, the prophet of the Old Testament. He will be an instrument. Instrumental in turning the hearts of the fathers in tenderness back to their children. The hearts of the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteousness of their fathers. And he will prepare a united people who are ready for the Lord's appearing. Who is the Lord they're talking about? Jesus. Zachariah asked the angel. Let's read it together. How do you expect me to believe this? Now we're going to get a little angel etiquette. How many of you know that when you are born again, each one of us are given an angel? We are. How many would like me to preach about that one day? Okay. I know some of you are holding on to your wife's going, honey, that's you. No, it's not her. (laughs) This is an angel that's always an angel, not an angel that's capable of turning into. (laughs) Just an angel. Let's just say, I don't, I don't, I don't know why I said that, Nathan. It just, the Lord just gave that to me. Sometimes I'm amazed by what I say when I'm preaching. I know when you look and go, can you believe he said that? I'm saying that to myself. And Zechariah asked the angel, how do you expect me to believe this? I am an old man. Now, if you look at the root word in the Greek, it actually, he's 60 to 70 years old. That was considered old, over 60. Ouch. And my wife is... So she's 60 to 70 to give me a child. What sign will you give me to prove that this is happening? Quick news flash the obvious from the Bible. If an angel shows up and talks to you, don't ask for a sign. Okay? The angel said, I'm Gabe. Have you ever read about me? I stand beside God himself. He sent me to announce this moron. But now, but now, this was good news. But now, have you ever had good news and somebody ruined it? This was good news. But now, since you did not believe my words, you will be stricken silent and unable to speak until the day My words will be fulfilled at their appointed time, and a child is born to you. This will be your sign. Meanwhile, the crowds outside kept expecting him to come out after an hour. And they were amazed that Zachariah delayed, wondering what could have happened in the sanctuary. And when he did come out, he tried to talk, but he couldn't speak a word. And they realized from his gestures that he'd seen a vision in the holy place, and he remained mute and was finished until he finished his days of priestly ministry. So it means the rest of the two weeks in the temple and then went back to his home. Soon afterwards, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant. They always say, watch out for the quiet man. Soon afterwards, his wife became pregnant and went into seclusion for the next five months. She said with joy, See how kind it is of God to gaze upon me and take away the disgrace of what? My barrenness. Now, I got, I got a question for you. How in the world could anyone not believe an angel? Like not believe an angel. Now, how many of you have seen pictures of angels? Okay, usually when you see a picture of angels, it's like this little fat three-year-old baby in a pamper. With wings on how I many of you see what i'm talking about i mean usually when you see that you think okay that that's an angel no that's not an angel that's a three-year-old fat baby with wings on it in pampers most people that have ever seen angels they're nine to twelve feet tall they're giants they just appear out of nowhere and your worst first words are terrible fear not Okay, I'm telling you, if a nine to 12 foot guy shows up anywhere I am and I don't know where he's from, I'm afraid. Because I can tell you, if you ever see a babe, if you ever see an angel, it won't be a three-year-old baby with pampers and wings on. You may need pampers and you may pray for wings to get away. But why wouldn't he believe an angel? Well, you have to understand a little bit about the Bible. Because John the Baptist is the first recorded prophetic time of God stepping into history in 400 years. Say that with me, 400. The United States is not 400 years old. Imagine not hearing from God in 400 years. The last book of the Old Testament, does anybody know what it is? Malachi? It's Malachi. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. And do you know what the last words are? I'll quote it to you. And I will send before you, Elijah, before the coming of the dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers so that I will not come and smite the earth with a curse. Who is he talking about? John the Baptist. So for 400 years, 400 years, when you wonder, when, when, when God is silent, you know what I've usually discovered? Look right here, the devil's not how many have ever prayed and waited for an answer? You didn't hear anything from God. But how many heard a lot from the devil? You're not really a good Christian. If you were really a good Christian, you know, they don't like you. you know, you're not really doing what's right. You know it's your old background. You know, you know you come from a nasty family. Everybody in your family is nasty. God knows they're nasty. Your people are just nasty. <laughs> Y'all are a bunch of drunks. The Boudreaux's all drunks. You know they're all drunks. You know that. If you were really a good Christian, you would have had an answer. I've discovered that when God is silent, usually the devil's not. In Luke chapter 3, where Jesus is baptized by his cousin John at 30 years old, preparing for his ministry, God speaks from heaven audibly and says, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, listen to him. That's Luke chapter three. Luke chapter four, Jesus goes to be tempted by the devil and he's in the wilderness by himself. And after 40 days of fasting, the devil comes. God already spoke. He's not speaking anymore. And he starts saying to Jesus, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, God just said in the chapter before he was the son of God. He spoke audibly from heaven. You see, the enemy's design is to steal the promises of God that God has given you. And now he's praying and an angel shows up and he can't even believe it's true. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever lost faith, not in God, but in your prayers to God? God changed him. God changed my child. God, God changed my job. God changed my situation. God healed that person. God, do something in, in, in my son, my daughter, my husband, my wife, my loved one. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Have I mean, you ever prayed a while for people and it didn't happen? Come on, raise your hand. Don't lie. We're in church. All of us have. I have. How do you lose your faith? I'll tell you what happens is first you pray. I'm praying. God's going God's to gonna answer my prayer. And then you wait. And then you pray more. God's going to answer my prayer. I know God's going to answer my prayer. I know God's going to answer my prayer. And then you begin to get discouraged. Has anybody ever been discouraged in your prayers being answered? Remember, the word discouraged means that you lose your courage. What you were so sure about at one time, Now you can't believe it's true. And then hopelessness sets in. And then despondency sets in. And finally, you hear people praying like God's going to answer them right away. And you sit there and you smile because you're a Christian and you say the right things. But in the back of your mind, you're going, oh, I used to pray like that. Oh, yeah, I used to pray like that. Is there anybody here besides me that has experienced what I'm talking about? Proverbs 13 12 says this hope deferred makes what it makes my heart sick have your unanswered prayers ever left you heart sick what does faithlessness do to our lives our hopes our prayers our dreams what does it do to our relationship with god but well, what does it do to our relationship with god I believe that faithlessness does a few things that we can learn from. Because you see, stories like this are put there so that we can learn from them so that we don't repeat the same mistakes. So here is what I believe faithlessness does. Number one, faithlessness causes me to give up on my prayers. To give up on my prayers. Remember what the angel told Zachariah. Zachariah, I have come to tell you that, come on, your prayers for a child, what? He was almost 70. When do you think he stopped praying about a child? The, the Greek gives implication of the prayers that you don't even pray anymore. You see, some of us believe that God can do something, we're just not quite sure whether he'll do it for us. I'm going to say that again. Some of us read about other people whose lives are changed, who get miracle answers in their life, that God does some supernatural for them, but you're just not sure that God will do it for you. Faithlessness causes you to give up on God. You don't want to say that that way, but it's true. It's what happens. It had probably been 20 years or more since they stopped praying for a child. I don't know if it was easy for you to get pregnant when y'all decide to have children. How many of you, it was hard for you to get pregnant? Raise your hand. Okay. Michelle is the youngest of three sisters, seven children in the family, and she was the first to get married. She was 18 and I was 23. No, that wasn't child abuse. She, she got, graduated from high school when she was 17, went to a year of Bible college, and came and proposed to me, and I surrendered my body as a living sacrifice. <laughs> Y'all know your pastor would do nothing less than that. God bless you. Thank you. You're welcome. She, she came back and uh, she blossomed in Bible college and I fell in love with her and proposed. And, and she promised that we wouldn't have to have children for five years. Hey, look at me, men. They'll promise you anything till they get that ring on you. We weren't going to have a dog. We weren't going to have a dog, and we were going to wait five years to have children. I've been married January the 15th in about less than 30 days. I've been married 42 years, and we may have had 42 dogs and cats. You say, Pastor, do you like dogs? I hate dogs. I know, I know, but pastor, you don't know Fifi. If you knew Fifi, you would love Fifi. Look at me. I love you, but I hate (laughs) Fifi. Dogs are fine where dogs belong, outside. Can I get somebody to say amen? Amen. When I'm preaching good, you got to help me. Dogs belong outside where dogs belong. Yes, let us worship. People in jail are shouting right now. Thank you. I know you feel me. But Michelle, after a year, said, you know, I, I know I told you that we wait five years to have children, but, but I want a child now. And, and, and women, those of you that are single, let me help you. They don't fight fair. Yeah. Look at all these sad men here going. acting all punkish like <laughs> they don't bite there and so she started crying and doing all kinds of stuff and then and so finally I gave in and immediately she got pregnant and I remember when we had the first pregnancy she had two sisters that had been trying to get pregnant they were one was older than her one was I think 45 years younger than her and and I mean literally Every time we tried, if Michelle was carrying the laundry to the washer, she got pregnant. <laughs> and every time she got pregnant, literally, it would be, the, it would be the conversation, how am I going to tell my sisters? How am I going to tell my sisters? And we would think about it and, and, and really, really pray, pray about it. And, and finally, she would call and say, hey, hey, I want to just share with you, I'm, you know, we we, we, we're pregnant. And Louise would start crying. Now, each one of them ended up having a child later after in vitro, waiting, all kinds of things. Matter of fact, one of their children is, that child is here right now. And, and it was, but it was always, every time we got pregnant, five times, the first conversation was, How am I gonna tell Louise? How am I gonna tell Josette? And they would cry. And then Michelle would say, I'm sorry. And they'd go, no, we're, we're happy for you. We're happy for you. But we knew they were heart sick. Because every month, then the next month, then six months, then a year, then two years, then five years, then ten years, and now... It's not an issue of whether you can try. You are now called by what you can't do. They began to call Elizabeth barren. If you want to distinguish her from the other women in her block, well, you know her, she can't have kids. And now the angels showed up. And here's what he tries to tell Zachariah. Zechariah, you may be 60 to 70 years old. You may have stopped praying that prayer over 20 years ago. And your body might not be working to be able to produce a child, but your prayers are still pregnant with power, even though you stopped praying them a long time ago. Every prayer of faith is pregnant with power. Listen to what this same angel Gabriel is going to say just a few months later to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Luke 1 36 and 37. What's more, the angel says, Gabriel to her, your aged and what? Has also become pregnant with the son. The barren one is now in her sixth month and not one promise from God is what? Empty of for nothing is what? Nothing is impossible. Not one promise from God is empty of power. Well, Pastor, I look at the situation, and it doesn't look like it's changing. It does not one promise from God is not pregnant without the power to fulfill every single thing God asks us for. The promises of God have a timer and a calendar attached to them. Don't you wish God would tell you when it was? Don't, don't you wish that as soon as God gave you a promise, UPS showed up the next door with a little package? The Lord says, Luke 1, 3 will be fulfilled to you in seven years, two days, and 15 minutes. You go like, all right, cool. I'll just go right on. What was the angel's answer to Zachariah who asked for a sign? The moral of this story is don't ask for a sign or you might get one. The second thing is faithlessness blinds me from God's answer for me. The angel is talking to him, and he says, I'm Gabriel. I stand before God himself. He sent me to announce this good news to you. Do do you understand that faithlessness can blind you from seeing the supernatural that's right in front of you? I can't tell you how many men and women I've spoken to about each other or about their children. And they'll say this, Pastor, God, you're not changing my husband. He's not changing my husband. I go, you know what? I'm talking to your husband. Other Christian men are talking to your husband. I know, but pastor, I don't see. People are talking to your child. Your child is coming. He's speaking with our youth pastor. He's speaking to Pastor Joseph. People are are reaching out to them. They're in connection with people that God can use. I know, pastor, but, but I don't see any change. Listen to me. If you don't acknowledge what God is doing now supernaturally, by the time an angel shows up, you won't acknowledge that either. Every single time you see something that God is doing, acknowledge go, that's God. That's God. That's God. Because each time you do, it builds your faith. Faithlessness blinds me. It, it, it blinds me. This man, Zechariah, was a priest. He studied the Old Testament all of his life. He knew that Abraham had a child when he was 100 years old, Sarah got pregnant when she was 90. He knew that. Abraham is one of the fathers of all the Jewish faith, the Hebrew faith. Of course he knew that. He just didn't believe God would do it for him. Here's the third thing. Faithlessness keeps me from speaking what God has already spoken. Verse 20 says, but now because you do not believe my words, you will be stricken, what? And unable to speak until the day these words have come to pass at their appointed time. Do you know what faith is? Look at me. Faith is believing the promises of God before everybody else sees it because you trust God's word above the circumstances that you see. And when the circumstances line up with God's word, he gave you peace at the very beginning. You didn't have to wait till it happened because you knew the moment God said it, it was a time clock set on it and it would come to pass in it's time. Amen. Have you ever had wonderful news and had to keep it a secret? It says he came out. This is the hour for him to come out. All right. He comes out and he can't say anything. What's he saying? What is he saying? All they know is that he's making gestures. He can't say he saw an angel. He can't say his son will be the forerunner of the son of God. He can't say God has spoken for the first time in 400 years. Here's number four, faithlessness keeps me from blessing others. You see, when the priest went and burned incense, he came out and he would speak the blessing. Moses commanded the priest to do this when they came out. And here was the blessing. We pray it over you at the end of each service. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you, and lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. This was the blessing they were waiting for. Look at me how many people are waiting on your faith to bless them? Do you realize that 80% of the people that are in church today are in church because your parents were in church? Your parents and grandparents are gone, but their faith is still alive inside of you. Who's waiting for your blessing Here's the the last thing. Faithlessness will keep you secluded when you should be speaking God's praises. What should Elizabeth be doing? How many have ever been to a shower, baby shower? How many have ever been to a baby shower for somebody in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 70s? I mean, you know what they should have been doing? I mean, wouldn't this be cool to be working at the maternity shop when Elizabeth came walking in? <laughs> could, could I help you? I'm, I'm looking for some maternity clothes. <laughs> well, well, for who? <laughs> for who? M- m- me? For For what? See that old man over there? (laughs) That's what's up. (laughs) What should have been the greatest moment of rejoicing of what God had done in their life, instead of a night of joy, it became silent night. Silent night. I I wonder how he communicated that, how Zechariah told her. How, how does Zachary tell like, <laughs> look at me? I know your kids aren't where they need to be. I know your grandchildren aren't where they need to be. I know your marriages won't need to be. But you can take the promises of God that are yes and amen and you can hold on to them and you can be pregnant with them as though they're just as real as the day that you see it happening right before your very eyes. You can have the peace that keeps you to that point. The same peace. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace and the same peace can keep you can keep you. you. You know what's so amazing is when you look at this, when you think, what, what should he have done? What, what should Zachariah have done? If Zachariah could look back at the story all over again, what would he have done differently? That's important because that's what God wants to teach us today. I think he should have done three simple things. Number one, he should have relentlessly persisted in prayer. When you give up on prayer, you give up on God. You do. You do. Can, can I be real vulnerable with y'all a minute? Yes. Every day of my children's life, from the time I laid hands on my wife's stomach, praying for them, I prayed the same prayer. The angels of the Lord surround them. Plead the blood of Jesus over them to protect them and keep them. How many pray prayers like that over your children, family? Eight years ago, when Wesley was run over on Kali Saloon Street, and our whole family was rocked to the core, 20 years old. It was, many of you know, we didn't come to church for seven months. We went to grief counseling everywhere, and and it wasn't until almost a year later that one day I was reading my Bible by myself and I'm praying. Every day I'd prayed this prayer. Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over Jacob, Amy, Lili, Christian, Alex, Eli, Finley, Kate, Baby Shallow, Joseph, Rochelle, John Wesley. Wesley was in your arms. and Amberley Grace. I, I, I'd pray that prayer, but I would say Wesley, not Wesley was in your arms. And I realized It had been a year since I ever prayed that prayer. That, That when that happened, I didn't even realize it. I stopped praying that prayer. What should Zachariah have done? Number one, relentlessly persisted in prayer. Prayer keeps us connected to God. Prayer keeps us connected to. Prayer keeps us connected to. We need to cling to God and not to the outcome of our prayer. Prayer doesn't work because it's prayer. Prayer works because there's a God who loves us, sees, hears, and cares. That's why. The goal of prayer is relationship. It's not just getting my request. Could it be that my prayers are not being answered because God knows if he answered them, you would no longer relentlessly pursue him for a relationship because you'd get what you want. He wanted a sign. You see, God wants to be daddy, not Santa. God wants to be our father, not Amazon. Santa only exists to fulfill our requests. God desires to have a relationship of love with us and to meet with us as the lover of our soul. He wanted a sign. God wanted a relationship of surrender. Now, you know what's interesting? You know who didn't ask for a sign? And you're going to see this as we go? Mary. Mary's 14 years old. The same angel shows up. Mary, you're highly favored. Thank you. You're gonna have a baby. Is that a favor? <laughs> You'll never know a man with a baby that's conceived in you will be of the Holy Spirit. Okay, do you know what she says? Be it to me according to what you've said. And so, you know what the Lord tells her through Gabriel? I'm gonna give you a sign. The sign is if you don't think I can do this, your aunt who's in her 70s, she's six months pregnant. I want to show you that I've already began supernaturally working. You know what I've discovered? When I'll just obey God's word, he starts sending signs and confirmation everywhere that I go. Everywhere that I go. Everywhere that I go. I want to say this again. This is, this is so powerful for, for us Personally. You'll know all of our children are in ministry except our oldest son, Jacob Junior, who was in ministry with us and then walked away from the call of God. He's 40 years old and about three-quarters of the way back, calls us three to five times a day. We, We pray for him all the time, just like I told you, the same prayer. God, pray for Jacob, Christian, life in the Kay, baby, shall the angels of the Lord surround them. You bring people divine. I pray for Jacob, Jr. God, bring people by that are divine circumstances that there's no way he could explain but God. I told you this a few weeks ago, but I want you to hear this. It's still so powerful. We get a call at the office, and somebody calls the office. Our administrator answers it at our main office, and he says, talks to him. this Then then he texts me, he goes, Pastor, I just had the greatest phone call I've ever had. He said, Jacob Jr., the job that he works at, there's a guy that works with him and swaps shifts with him sometimes. He found out last week that his daddy was a pastor, so the guy looked you up. He said he wants you to know he's been ministering to Jacob Jr that they spent two and a half hours talking about the Lord. He said, tell him he's closer than you think. I'm not in Nashville, but my father is. I'm not in Nashville, but he has angels that are directing his saints, directing his children across the paths of those In the natural, I can look and say, I, we have been praying for almost 20 years. But in the spirit, I can say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In the spirit, I can say, I can say, the promise of God, Acts 16 31, both me and my household shall be saved. That's the promise of God, the promise of God, the promise of God. Relentlessly persist in prayer. Listen to me. Don't kill your prayer with your tongue. They're never going to change. It's not going to happen. Can I ask you a question? What's real, God's promises or your circumstances? Which one's going to change, God's word or your circumstances? Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never pass away. Number two, receive God's promise. Luke one thirty seven says, not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is what? Impossible with God. How I receive it says a lot about what I believe. He was trying to reject the answer to his prayer by giving God all the circumstances. I'm too old. My wife is too old. This is not normal. And the angel's going, I'm not normal either. When's the last time you saw an angel? Here's the third thing. And finally, rejoice in God's timing. Say that with me, rejoice in God's timing. Had John come when he was 20, and he and Elizabeth were praying, he never would have been the forerunner of the Son of God. Had he come in his 30s, he never would have been the forerunner of the Son of God. Had he come in his 40s, he never would have been the forerunner of the Son of God. I love what Dr. Derry says. When God's working, God's working. And when God's not working that you see, God's still working that you can't see. He's still working. Here's the truth. God not only knows what's best for us, he also knows when is best for us. Listen to all the angel told Zechariah. God is showing you grace. Your prayers have been answered. His birth will bring you joy and blessing. Many will rejoice because of him. He will be one of the great ones. He will be like Elijah. He will turn people's heart to God. Fathers will turn to children because of him. He will be the forerunner of the Christ. He will be filled, the only child outside of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. What God is doing is always bigger than me, and it's always bigger than what I see. There is always a miracle in our miracle. What would Jesus say about his son? Matthew eleven eleven. Jesus says this, I tell you the truth of all, of all who have ever been born. Read it with me. Look at me. This is for you that have given up on your prayers. This is for you that have given up and said, everything that I see tells me this can't be true. I want to remind you, without faith, it is impossible to please God. But pastor, you don't know what I've messed up. Look at me. God made you, and he's the only one that can take your mess and your mistakes and make it and recreate it like it never and was always supposed to be that way from the very beginning. He's the only one. He's God. He's God. So I want to ask you, before I pray for you, how many of you have given up on some prayers? Raise your hand. Today. Today. Today, I want to remind you that no promise from God, no promise from God, is not pregnant with the power to fulfill it all, because with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is. Would you, I want you to say it with me? With God, say it again, with God nothing is impossible not one promise from God is empty of power for nothing is impossible with God I'm going to hold this Bible like the promises that you have I, I go through different Bibles all the time this is a passion translation that I love reading I, I had 10 of these and I do this to them and then I'll find somebody that doesn't have one and I'll give it away this one I won't give away because this is the I gave my Bible to Haddon that day and it says three thirteen nineteen, The date of Haddon's transformation. But I love going through Michelle's Bible. She has the same Bible. She's had a long time. And I'll go through and there'll be one of the children's names and a date right by the promise of God for Jacob Jr. For Christian, for Joseph, for Amberley, for Wesley, for Adam. And now, the promises she's claiming for our grandchildren. You know was so cool to look back. 15 years ago, she had the promise from God for what it took 15 years to see today. I don't know what promise that God has given you, but you do. I want you to take your hands. I want you to open like this, and I want you to close it. It represents the promises of God to you. It might be for a healing. It might be for a business miracle. It might be for a husband, a wife, a son, a daughter, a loved one, a friend, a future husband, a future wife. I don't know what it is, but you do. Father, today, we hold to the promises of God we learn from an old priest who asked for a sign when one of the greatest signs in the world was given to him. An angel. Today, I stand with every mother, father, sister, brother, grandmother, grandfather, husband and wife, son and daughter, loved one, family and friend and we claim the promises of God. By them, for no promise of God is not filled with the power to complete it. Right now, I just want you under your breath to say, "Lord, I hold on to Your promise." Come on, I hold on to Your promise. And now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you the most important question of your life. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then he said, don't be surprised that I tell you, you must be born again. Pastor, what does that mean? Every person born since Adam and Eve have been born spiritually dead. When Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God said, in the day you touch it or eat it, you will die. So every person born since Adam and Eve has been born spiritually dead. God is a spirit, and the only way you can know him is to become spiritually alive. Jesus looked at a religious man named Nicodemus and said, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. You won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Have you been born again? The answer to that question determines whether you know God, whether your sins are forgiven, whether Christ is living inside of you. Because the moment you're born again, a resurrection happens in you, and the same spirit that raised Jesus up comes to raise you up. So, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus, but I've never prayed to be born again, would you pray for me today? Today I want to begin my spiritual journey. I want to know God. I want to know God. I want to become spiritually alive. I want a new beginning. I want to know Him. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand and then I'm going to pray for you. It's as easy as A, B, C. A, A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ became your sin bearer and he died for your sins so you wouldn't have to die with your sin. And see, confess Christ. One, God brought you here. Two, nothing is ever an accident. He's been reaching out to you over and over, pursuing you. And now's your time to become born again. Three, if that's you, raise your hand high. Raise it high, yes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. You can put your hand down, 31, 32. Put your hands down. Last 10 seconds. Pastor, I didn't raise my hand with these 30, but I should have. I know it's what I need. My heart's beating out of my chest. I don't know why I've been waiting. I didn't raise my hand, but I should have. Raise it and wave it at me right now. I'm asking this last time for you. Okay. I see that. I see that. Yes, I see that. Yes, 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 yes. I see all those. Yes. Okay, now church, let's pray out loud with all of those who raised their hand to be spiritually raised from the dead, to have a new beginning, to know God. Let's pray out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me, so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today, God is my father, Jesus is my savior, and I'm born again in Jesus' name, amen. Don't you enjoy that message from Pastor Jacob? Would you stand up on your feet with me? And we have prayer partners at the front if you need prayer. Would you bow your heads as I bless you before we leave? Now may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. And may all that you set your hand to, may it be both for God and for his kingdom. And as your pastor, I bless you in the name of the Father, his Son, Jesus, and the all-abiding Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you all next week.